we cultivated all this, we aggregated all this, and now we're providing all this for free. We're not charging anyone for it. If you go on the Audimac app, you'll be able to access them and you'll be able to learn and find out the answers to these questions because frankly, I didn't even know a lot of these answers. I mean, there's so much to learn in the music industry. And, you know, I know some things, but there's a lot of things that I don't know. And I, when going through this guide, learned a lot. And it could be one small decision that an artist would make that could make a huge impact on their career and their life. Hey, welcome to the Trapital Podcast. I'm your host and the founder of Trapital, Dan Runcy. This podcast is your place to gain insights from the executives in music, media, entertainment, and more who are taking hip-hop culture to the next level. Today's guest is Dave Pani, the Chief Marketing Officer and Co-Founder of AudioMac. AudioMac is a music streaming platform and a music discovery service that reaches more than 20 million people across the world. It was great to chat with Dave because a few months back, had talked to Charlie Kaplan from AudioMac. This is when they first launched their platform, Supporters. Supporters is a tool that brings artists and fans more directly together, where fans can directly contribute to a release of an artist give money to the artist for that and have their name be associated with that and be able to show that badge through the AudioMac platform. We talk about the rollout of that. We talk about how that fits more broadly with AudioMac's strategy to be a home base for artists and how it's doing that also through its creator app, through its artist guide and a few of the other things it has planned. And that pivoted us into a discussion about how AudioMac strategy fits within the broader music ecosystem and the broader streaming service. There are much bigger streamers, there are much bigger streaming services, but many of them are still copying a lot of the moves that AudioMac has done. So we talked about what that dynamic is, where AudioMac is growing most right now now and how this company is thinking about the future. And when you think about Web3, when you think about all these other things, how much of this is actual opportunity, how many of these things are buzzwords or just fluff, Dave and I get into all that. Had a great conversation with him. Here's my chat with Dave Pani. All right. Today we got Dave Pani here from AudioMac and I got to give him credit. The company has been having a pretty good run lately. They launched some new platforms. They've been growing internationally. Dave, we got to get the latest, how things been going on your end. Things have been going great. We're really happy about how 2022 is, is shaping up. And we have a lot of great new features and platforms and apps and, and other, other things that are going to help artists, you know, improve their careers and move music forward. Definitely. Yeah. I think it was a couple months back. I feel like now we're making the rounds because I had had Dave MacLeon about a year ago or so had Z on after that, and then had Charlie Kaplan on most recently, and we talked all about supporters. And I feel like this is a pretty big launch for you all. When Charlie came on, we were just talking about the launch and the goals of having something where artists and fans can connect more directly and just bring that line together. And now you have at least a few months of it to see how things have been going. So how has that been so far? How has supporters been? I'm really happy with how it's launched. The product has worked really well. There hasn't been any, when you're developing software and you're adding a, a new you know, feature like this, which is a completely different way that we would approach typically how our app would work. You know, we're a streaming platform. 
you know, you could play songs, you could follow artists, you could do all the things that you would do in a streaming platform. But now we're adding this e-commerce functionality. So it's a new, new foray for us. And it's gone off really very smoothly. All the fa- artists, supporters have been able to buy badges. It's all the finance and reconciliation portion has worked out very well. And the artists are really happy about this additional revenue stream that they can now employ. Nice. I got to imagine for a lot of the artists, it brings them closer because that's one of the reasons that they're likely building on Audio Mac as opposed to elsewhere. I feel like one of the pitches that you all have had from the beginning is that A, you're going to have artists that are much more in control of what they're doing from how they're building their brand on your platform. And then I think in addition, you're not necessarily always working with the artists who are more bound by a major record label or another entity. So by being able to have what I imagine a lot of independent artists using this tool and bringing them together, that is the through line there. And of course, we're seeing so much happening with platforms in all different types of technology trying to bring folks together. But I think you are able to do it in a way that is seamless and it's visible because I think at the end of the day, people do want to be able to show off their fandom and who they support. Yes. One thing that, you know, I talked to Charlie, you know, who is one of the main architects of this feature and he was a guest on your podcast. I recommend everyone to to listen to him if you listen to this now. But he told me, and I was very, he's a very eloquent guy. And what he told me, and I thought was a good way to look about it is this was the first hour of the new year with this supporters product. There's so many different things that we want to add and that we're in the midst of adding. And I wanted to share a couple of those on your podcast, Dan. And, you know, we always had this challenge, Dave Mackley and I, right? When you're, things are never going to be perfect when you release a new product, a new part of a product, a new app. You're never going to release it. So you have to just eventually push it out, let the people experience it, consider their feedback, and then work that into future iterations. So that's what we're doing here. There's a lot of new new things we want to add and we want to revise. And, you know, I'm not just going to sit here and tell you everything's perfect, right? That would be boring, number one. But number two, it's not reality, especially with when you're dealing with app development. So one of the things we realized was the price of the supporter's badge overall, I think, was too high. So about a month into the program, we actually reduced the prices, the cost of the badge. So now, you know, you could buy a badge for $1 instead of $2 US. And it obviously changes depending on where you are. I don't think we're a global app. We're really big in Africa, particularly West Africa, Nigeria, Ghana. And once we lowered the price for the lowest cost badge from 2 to $1, we saw a lot more people buying badges and supporting those artists. We actually end, end up creating more revenue for the artist with this small but impactful change. And we don't want, you know, the whole concept of AudioMac is to have a low barrier to entry, whether you're an artist or whether you're a fan. You know, AudioMac is a free app. You could download, begin taking music offline for free, no matter where you are in the world. Uh, and if you're an artist, you could have unlimited space to upload your music. You have unlimited opportunities to look at the data, glean insights from how people are consuming your art. And now they could support you directly by buying a badge, supporter's badge. So that was one small, but but big, but really big change, impactful change that we saw. And we made about four weeks into the the launch of the product. So 
I think that's a key point because I think a lot of people from the outside may look at the price sensitivity of $2 to $1 and may not think it's much, but that's what we're saying in you know the Western world and being able to think about that relative to the price of a streaming service increasing or anything like that. But you're obviously global and you're growing in places where that difference makes a lot more or that difference is much more meaningful. So do you have any stats or any or how that difference is from a quantitative perspective of how much of a increase or usage rate you saw from lowering the price from two to one? Well, I don't know if I have that stat particularly. I wish I did, but we have more badges sold. I think one side I did have my team collect was just the amount of money that we've made for artists since launch. And that's 30000 over $30,000. And that's a good point. We had that mindset. Obviously, we're you know, a New York company, we're, we're Americans, and we know it's hard for us to think about how, what it might be like for someone in Nigeria or someone in Tanzania, for example. But we eventually figured it out. We got feedback from a lot of our ambassadors on our team out there. And I think the way probably to think about it is the streaming rate, right? So, you know, you make a certain amount per stream on Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, SoundCloud, YouTube, AudioMac, and we're an ad-supported platform, right? So the majority of people who consume music on AudioMac do it for free, as I mentioned. We make money on ads, though the revenue from those ads pay the artists. So what we thought of is how can we increase the size of the pie as opposed to how can we create more and more slices of that pie to split around, right? So if you look at some of the other streaming platforms, you know, powered royalties or this or that, they're not making more money. They're just sending the money to different places, right? There's not more money in the pot. Let's send it around to more people that you listen to. And that's not a bad idea. Inherently, I don't mind it at all. And that's good. But what we're trying to do is increase the pie. So when you buy a supporter's badge, that pie is increased for that particular artist. And if you were making, you know, $150 on 100,000 streams, or you're making maybe on Spotify $400 for 100,000 streams. Again, depends on where you are and where you're listening. But if you get a certain amount of supporters, you know, we have a couple artists that have 100 supporters on one song. Now you're making even more than you are in Spotify for that one song. Everything is sort of comes into this effective stream rate, which actually is an advertising term that we flipped a little bit. Effective CPM or effective stream rate is sort of the amalgamation of all the different revenue that you're bringing in that you could then turn give to that artist. Mm, that makes sense because if you're thinking about supporters and you're thinking about just how many artists, you know, total that $30,000 or plus worth of revenue, then you're likely, as you mentioned, you're probably going to have a few at the top. It sounds like there's a few that have a hundred or more supporters, but I see, but it does seem like something where, you know, as it grows and it continues, that'll be good. But it, at least in my perception, you could tell me if I'm wrong. It seems like it's most likely going to be, you know, a few artists that end up doing the doing really well with it. But then their success in a lot of ways not only paves the way for others, but if they become case studies, it could be like, oh, look how much money so and so made from being able to use supporters that influences others who either are already on Audio Mac to push their supporters more heavily or encourages folks that may be on a different platform to come in, join yours and do the same. That's a really good point. That's what my job and the marketing team job has been to work with artists to create campaigns for those artists, a way to get their fans engaged, but also to prove and provide a template for 
artists I might follow, those artists that we're working with to then do their own campaigns. And we, we've seen some of that. I'd like to see more, you know, when we build some additional functionality and some changes, I think we will see even more. But I wanted to give you some examples of, of some of the cool campaigns that we've seen artists do. So one, one is this, this is a Latin pop artist. Her name is Noemi. And she had a really cool idea. She came to us and we've helped her sort of put it together. Essentially, one of her friends makes custom sneakers. So they made three different custom types of sneakers that like, you know, the sort of uh, look and of the sneakers are obviously correlated to what her album and her theme of her, her album was that you support. And then when you support it, you know, you have a chance to win these custom sneakers that she's going to sign, that the artist is going to sign and, and send that. So she had a good amount of supporters, but not too many to where if you bought a badge, you would have no shot, right? I think she had close to 30 supporters for this. And one of those supporters will get this custom pair of like Air Force Ones that are really, really dope. That was a really cool example of how one artist, you know, created something with their fans and made some money in the process. But really, it was really to get more attention about her song. We had another artist huge dancehall artist, Alkaline, one of the biggest artists out of Jamaica. He's really big in Florida. There's a very large Jamaican diaspora in South Florida in like the Fall Lauderdale area. I think there's more Jamaicans, Jamaican Americans there than anywhere in the U.S. So he had a concert there, very highly sought after event that happened actually just this past week. And if you were, he picked five supporters to come to the show on his behalf. So you, if you supported him in his song, you'd have a chance to win tickets to this show. So I thought that was really, really interesting. He has such, he was already getting, he had more supporters than anyone who really didn't like do a campaign. He's just a massive artist and Audiomack is really big in Jamaica and in the Caribbean. So his fans were really excited about that. I think a couple actually flew to Florida for the show and they got a bunch of merch, Audiomack merch, they got Alkaline merch and they're really, really happy about that. So those are a couple of examples that I was really excited about, just like how we could bridge the gap from online to real life, like a real life experience. Yeah, the Alkaline story hits home for me. I'm a Jamaican American. I have family in the Fort Lauderdale area, so that speaks volumes there. And I feel like I'm thinking about the other places in the country that have pretty big Jamaican populations, of course, New York, but also Hartford County, which is where I'm from. You know, you, you got a good amount there. So I feel like Alkaline has some audio Mac real estate there as well. But I think, you know, zooming out a bit and talking to you and, you know, most of your colleagues as well at AudioMac, I do see the broader strategy around getting creators on board. How do we best support them and how do we empower them to maximize what they can do and use our platform to make that happen? And I know you all recently launched the creator app as well, which I think is also along these lines. So can you talk a little bit about that and what you thought? the market needed that made you want to launch this? The creator up again, Charlie Kaplan, he was the architect of this. And there was really a gap in the market, right? Like if you look at our competitors, it's just not something that they focus on, right? Like, the you know, for our competitors, the majority of the music that they get are from distributors. So there's no touch point between the platform and the artist. And again, that's what our goal is to draw the shortest line between the artist and the fan. So more intermediaries expand that line as opposed to shortening it. The creator app is a tool that allows artists to, through an app environment and not a website environment, which you could do on our creator dashboard on the web, but the app allows you to engage with fans through comments. It allows you to see your stats 
see where people are playing your music, what geographic area, see, you know, the graphs in terms of how many streams and how many playlist ads and favor favorites are getting. And we're adding the monetization to this as well. In fact, it's, it's almost done. By the time people listen to this, it should be the monetization functionality should be available in the AudioMac Creator app. And what this will do is allow you to withdraw money from your AudioMac stream earnings and your supporter badge sales directly. So this was a really, really important feature because, you know, if you think about if you have crypto, right, if you have the Coinbase app or one of these other apps, you probably look and see how much money you're, you're losing or gaining on a given minute, right, with crypto. You open your banking apps all the time. You open your stock apps if you have investments. When there's money involved, people are going to want to check it all the time. Obviously, it's their livelihood. So we're going to give the artist ability to, to withdraw directly from the creator app and put that money in their pocket. And hopefully, they'll use that to expand their artistry, develop their career, invest in tools that help them, you know, create more art for all of us. So the creator app is actually grown more than I thought. We've already beat our goals. You know, we had goals for the marketing team to exceed a certain amount and we've already exceeded them way early. So there's a high demand for it. And I think our competitors don't really take that part of the artist's life cycle seriously. And I think it's really important. So we were happy to swoop in and provide that value for our artists. And I think for the folks listening too, a lot of people know, of course, you have the web interface, but a lot of the companies do go through this transition where, okay, we clearly have what's available on the web, but let's build the app. And there's a number of reasons why I think it just leads to more stickiness, more usage. But are there any other advantages that you all had in terms of, okay, this app, whether it's the potential to have a moat around this or the potential to have something stronger? Because of course, as you mentioned, a lot of it was available through the web before, but I do think that, you know, an app just allows you to have likely a few more lasting touch points and being able to add a bit more direct value. 100%. The whole concept of having an app is how can you make it more sticky, right? You know, all the social media apps are designed to essentially monopolize your attention, right? And for better or worse, that's how the app world is and how the world is. So how can we make it more sticky? What, what are the things that artists really want to glean from an app like a creator app? You know, some things that make them, you know, make better decisions or provide insights that allow them to pivot if things aren't working or put more resources in if something is really working. They need the information to do that. And it needs to be an ease to access that information. You know, to access our creator dashboard, you know, on the web, it's not the smoothest situation. It's made for a desktop website. So an app allows you to just see it, click on it, and then instantly access it. It's much quicker. And we had a similar, it was a similar process back in 2015 when Audio Mac was just a website and we started to see all the web traffic going down and all the mobile web traffic going up. And that was probably similar for a lot of companies at that time period. And then once we created the apps at the beginning of that year, the game changed for us. And it's just something about an app that people love. And it's probably because it's made to monopolize your attention, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. And with this, you talked a, a fair amount as well about your competitors. And of course, you're in the unique place where to call it a DSP or a digital streaming provider may be a bit too blanket because I think each of them are so different in what they offer. But I do think that you all have such a unique place where for a lot of it, maybe the competition at this point is 
if there is a home that a artist, more likely an independent artist, is trying to build and grow their career, it's whether or not that home is with you or with another else. Even if they may still, some of them, especially as they grow, they may still want to have the awareness wherever their listeners may be. So they may still put some stuff elsewhere, but it's about, okay, where's that home base? Because I think no different than a company now, there's all these platforms where you could put your attention and everything, but most people are probably picking one or two to focus in on and put everything behind. So I assume it's probably that way for artists, but it'd be good to hear from your perspective how that lens is with competitors, knowing that, you know, I'm sure you probably want to have that home base, but there are other artists that may, you know, have their feet in a few different waters. That's exactly right. Home base. I mean, I, I believe Dave probably has used that exact, you know, language verbatim to describe what our goal is, is, you know, we want an artist to, again, open up that AudioMac app and see how everything is going and then go from there. I always tell artists when we speak to them, I'm not asking them to do everything and only on AudioMac, right? AudioMac is a piece of their puzzle. They're going to have to put out visuals. They're going to have to use other platforms to gain fans. And that's fine, but we want them to really start their day and start their journey with AudioMac. So we have a couple of tools that are coming out very soon that should reinforce that brand vision of becoming the own base for an artist. The first place that they start, the first song they upload, the first 10,000 plays that they get. And it's incredibly important. It's incredibly competitive because we're you know, really a David and Goliath scenario here. It's not a coincidence that all of our name is Dave here. So, you know, we're dealing with companies that are in the billions and billions of dollar uh, revenue. And, you know, we have to use that to our advantage, you know, similar to that old story from the Bible where, you know, you have to be nimble, you have to outsmart them, you have to out innovate them. And sometimes that works to your advantage. If you want to add a product and, you know, Dave and I and the team are behind it, we'll do it quick. You can't do that at a big company with all the bureaucracy and it's owned by shareholders. So we try to innovate, you know, and be ahead of the wave as opposed to following the wave. And that's precisely it with creating that home base, being the first place in that artist journey so that one, they remember you and they're loyal to you. And we see that with a lot of artists, you know, that we've helped launch that are big now and they come and they still, you know, fuck with us for lack of a better phrase, pardon my French. But they come back and they still come to our studio. They still meet with us. They'll create content with us and they'll still promote the AudioMac links. Yeah. And I think you alluded to this artist guide that you have coming up because I think a lot of it's that, right? What is that playbook that you want to be able to give artists that they can see? And I'm sure it's involving AudioMac, but you're probably addressing the broader music ecosystem and just promotion as well. Is there anything more about that rollout and what that would look like for artists to share. Let's take a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsor. Yeah. So the artist guide is going to be a free educational resource and glossary for artists, musicians primarily that are just starting or have recently started their career and their development as an artist. So the way that we approach it is if we're an artist, what would I search into Google, right? Meaning when do I need a manager? Or what is publishing? Or, you know, when do I get a lawyer? Or when when should I get a record deal? Or what distributor should I choose? Anything that you might like type into Google is kind of how we thought of it, is something that we wanted to provide that answer for. And we we had our very talented writer and editor, senior editor, Donna Chesman, best-selling author, Donna, 
who had interviewed uh, dozens and dozens of industry experts from companies ranging from, you know, Sony to Universal to BMI to just all the big companies that do provide services for artists and asked them the answer to those questions that you might type into Google. So we cultivated all this, we aggregated all this, and now we're providing all this for free. We're not charging anyone for it. If you go on the AudioMac app, you'll be able to access them and you'll be able to learn and find out the answers to these questions because frankly, I didn't even know a lot of these answers. I mean, there's so much to learn in the music industry. And, you know, I know some things, but there's a lot of things that I don't know. And I, when going through this guide, learned a lot. And it could be one small decision that an artist would make that could make a huge impact on their career and their life, right? If maybe they just hesitated before they signed that deal, they might have not been locked in. Or maybe if they just chose that distributor that, you know, provided them an entryway into all these different playlists or, or you know, it, whatever, they would have been better off. So we're very excited to drop this. We should drop it at some point in April 22. And I really think people are going to be excited about this. We'll also have a video component, which we're calling Artist 101. It's really, really cool. So basically, it's you know a narration of these answers. And we have a whole animated series devoted to that, similar to Schoolhouse Rock, if you remember from back in the day. So it's like Schoolhouse Rock vibes, but with artist education. So we realize that a lot of artists, you know, aren't going to read long paragraphs about stuff, just realistically speaking, or just people in general just see a long paragraph and they're not going to read it. So we created this audio and visual way to consume that as a lot of artists probably will learn better that way. So they'll be able to figure out some of the answers to these questions that they've been interested in, in learning about. Does the artist guide include following Z from Audio Mac on Twitter to make sure you stay up on the latest? So I will tell you the truth, Dan. His tweet threads are one of the inspirations for this. I'm not even capping at all. This sort of predicated our decision to do this because his threads get so much engagement and people are genuinely interested in learning about this stuff. Sometimes people are afraid to ask. They don't want to be known as a beginner artist, right? Artists, especially in rap and hip hop, you know, you start off as successful, right? Your first song, you're already talking about how you're really successful. You might be hesitant to maybe admit to yourself that you need to learn about these things if you're going to be successful in the long term. So hopefully we could provide this to, to any type of artist who, you know, even shows the slightest interest in, in, in gaining this knowledge. Yeah, I agree. And I said that in there because I think it's a hundred percent. We just know how especially Twitter is as a platform, there is always going to be some crazy take that rises to the top and having someone like Z in there to be like, hey, I'm going to call the bullshit out when I see it and this is how it is. It always gets engagement or the organic tweets that he has. And I remember telling that to him last time I saw him. I'm like, I mean, he knows it, but I'm like, you know, you're doing good work. And that's why these things are valuable. There's so much that isn't necessarily there out in the open, even as much information that there is now. And sometimes, sure, you can listen to some of these clubhouse rooms where you're not always going to get the most helpful information out there. You may get passionate voices that sound like they know what they're talking about, but that isn't always the case. So I think that having something like this that's easy to access because at the end of the day, you know, whether it's on Twitter or whatever, so there's only so much reach that we have, but knowing that your platform with AudioMac is the biggest reach that you all have as a company, being able to bring that all together does make sense. And I mean, I think for you all, this is how you kind of have that 
David versus Goliath piece because the other companies don't necessarily put these same things out to the same extent. They have their own version of it. Like I know that one of the major DSPs put out a report a couple of weeks ago about some of their stats and we always see those things. But I think that it's a little bit tougher for the companies that aren't as forward about supporting independent artists or really trying to be there to educate when their role is much more to serve and be their, you know, their main customers, the major record labels versus your main customer is the artist. So it's a very different dynamic. That's a very nice way to put it. <laughs> you can probably frame it in a way that sounds much more like nefarious and evil. But listen, if another company is helping artists succeed, we are not going to be have any problem with that. That's ultimately what we want. That's why we're agnostic. You know, if an artist has success on one of our competitors, I will never say don't do them. Where our competitors might say that to, uh, about us, right? But ultimately, we want them to become successful because, you know, for example, like the artist I was talking about was Lotto. She just came out with her album, really good album. She performed at one of our shows, you know, a couple of years before the pandemic. And, you know, we had her come by our studio. We created content with her when really she was not very well known outside of Atlanta. And now she's an amazing, like huge star with a huge hit album. And she came back and she did one of our fine tuned, which is one of our video content series. And she came back and she did that for us and her fans. And if we didn't have that, we didn't establish that trust with her and her team, you know, multiple years ago, then she would have just not came by when she was in New York. So, you know, I think when you put out the good energy, it comes back to you. We really believe in that. So. The other companies that might have an interest in not having artists be educated, unfortunately, they probably would not want that because then they might not get the best type of deal when they're working with those artists. And unfortunately, that's how the music industry is. And we're hoping to change that as much as we can. Are there ever any challenges that you do face just given the position that you're in? Of course, I mean, on one hand, I do look at what you're doing very different than some of the major streaming or some of the much larger streaming services, but they in many ways are still offering a service and, you know, at a much larger scale. But how does that impact your strategy or your goals for what you're doing? Are there any regular challenges that their presence creates or that, you know, you all have as, you know, your role in the, as a streaming platform? We do have many challenges. It's tough. Part of the challenges stem from just growing, you know, just as any business grows, you know, more employees, you know, more money, more problems, you know, kind of thing. I think we want to expand even more globally. One of our focuses, right? So as the CMO, you know, me and, and the other executives figure out, what, what are we focused on? We have to kind of think of things in that way where it's like, all right, let's focus on what we're going to do for the first half of 22. One of them is how are we going to bring African music to the rest of the world and particularly to the diaspora in the U.S., right? So we're really big in, in Africa where we help sort of pave the way for a lot of Afrobeats music to be popular in the U.K. and in the U.S. So we think, all right, we want to expand this music elsewhere to other places where people might want, you know, whether you're a part of the diaspora or whether you're just someone who might like the Afrobeat vibe, which is most people, you know, in Europe, you know, Belgium, Germany, you know, we're looking to get into Punjabi music and they have a large diaspora in the US, Canada, UK. So the challenge is having to do all these deals with all these labels and get them to allow us to, to get licenses around the world and especially in Africa 
where we have such a large user base and we have a, a lot of leverage because we are very big there. So, you know, we want to get the best deals we can. And it's tough. Deal Doing licensing deals with labels is very, very tough. It takes our team a lot of time. It doesn't move quickly. As I mentioned earlier, we're used to moving quick and being nimble. And then when we, we, we work with the large companies, it takes a while. So that's a challenge for me being the curator and the marketer is trying to figure out, you know, how can I get these artists to get more fans? Getting more fans means I need their music to be available in more regions. So that's certainly a challenge. And I think another challenge is just how can we maintain our differentiation? What are our competitive advantages? You know, a lot of times, you know, we're working to combat these other companies. They have such large budgets and resources. And, you know, we have to fight the urge to try and follow them instead to create our own path, our own blue ocean, which was a book that came out years ago. I read that made a big impact on is how can I, you know, create our own blue ocean and as opposed to following and trying to catch up, let's have them chase us instead. And we've had some success doing that. A lot of the big streaming services have copied us <laughs> and a lot of the things that we've done, which is flattering, but annoying too. So how can we maintain our value proposition, but really fortify it as opposed to saying, we got to do more things like they're doing because they have so many users, so it must work. Let's do what they're doing. So that's a challenge is to try and say, all right, let's, how can we accomplish it a different way? You know, how can we keep this person engaged in the app in a different way? So part of that is things like artist guide supporters and audio Mac world in general, which is sort of a, which is where the artist guide is, is going to be part of the audio Mac world, which is essentially a blog interview site that's in a streaming service, right? Streaming service is a utility. You have songs in there. You go to another streaming service. The same songs are in there. There's not much different between Spotify and Apple Music, you know, besides some UI, maybe podcasts. But, you know, Audio Mac Worlds is an entire site that you could read and learn and discover artists without just relying on a playlist algorithm to, to put it in front of you at the right time. We have this other way, really the old way, because we come out of the blog era. You know, we're born out of the blog era. So that was how you discovered music at the end of the aughts in the beginning part of the tens. And we try to take what was special about that, where you learned, read about artists and you learned about them through interviews and stuff like that on blogs. And we're taking that and we put that in the utility of a streaming service. So we're, we're trying to just build that out and really showcase our the artists that use us in a different way than other streaming services. Right. And that point too, about them copying you, that's you know, not surprising at all, because I think to your point, you're doing unique things. You're able to move a bit more nimbly. And I'm sure you likely also get acquisition offers, especially in this climate that we're in now. And if you're just like thinking about, you know, where things are, I think even things in terms of the future, whether it's, you know, Web3 or the metaverse, there's opportunities that you all likely have to be able to make moves in those areas. If that's something that's on your roadmap, a bit easier than some of the others because they are larger companies and it's just tougher for them to pivot in that type of way. Yeah, Web3 is interesting. Everyone likes to talk about Web3. It's changing the internet as we know it, slowly but surely. A lot of it is hype. You know, there's some music streaming services that are Web3 and some have cool ideas and I, and I like them. And then other ones are probably scams that people are going to lose a lot of money on. I think one of them, 80% of the tokens are owned by one person. <laughs> so it's whenever you see something like that, it, you have to question 
you know, the actual motives of that one person They're you know, and they've already done a lot of shady things that uh, we won't get into, but other Web3 music companies are doing cool things. And we look at that, we go, hmm, we might be able to do something like that. Again, if it adds value to artists and could put money in artist pockets, and it's like legitimately and the value exchange between the fan and the artist is equal, then you're damn right. We're going to look into doing that. There's some also exciting things we're looking at in terms of, again, this concept of supporters. How can we create a real life experience from something that was born out of the app? If you buy a badge, a supporter's badge, maybe that's an NFT. Maybe that NFT gets you access into a shop or gets you access into, you know, merch or something like that. You know, can you accomplish those things without having to, you know, waste a lot of electricity? Maybe, but maybe there's a way to do it cheap. It could be on the blockchain. You know, you could validate the token that someone has or the NFT that they have and then provide, you know, that gets them access into something or, you know, helps create a community. I think that a lot of the appeal of Web3 is that it's a community in a Discord, right? So all the big ones are are in a Discord. You know, people want to be part of a a group of like-minded individuals. So it's maybe not because of the blockchain, but because you're in a community, right? So we're trying to think about how can we accomplish things does Web3 make it more efficient, cheaper, easier, more lucrative? Then we would employ that. But we're not going to do it just for the press, which some companies are, are doing, unfortunately. Something that I thought about, I remember thinking about this back when I had the conversation with Charlie and he was first explaining the idea behind supporters, is this is a concept that other platforms outside of music have done on the blockchain, but you all have clearly shown that, okay, you could still have these dynamics off of it. And I'm not going to get into the whole discussion of if you could do something on versus off chain, then do you still do it on chain? But I do think that it highlights that a, if you are going to do something in this space, it should really be either a additive in a way that you're leveraging something that you didn't have. Like, I think there's a very easy connection of thinking of what could a token look like for a supporter of a particular artist, like on your end, like, I think there's plenty of things there, but does that enable you to do something that you couldn't currently already do through the current audio max supporters or does allow you to do it better or more efficiently or something to build to the future i think i I mean i could imagine that that's the thought process as opposed to just kind of oh let's do a web3 thing and then let's do that that i've seen it you know different pitch decks and all these things and it's like eh, i don't know if that's quite the way to do it but i feel like for you all there's a clear through line there yeah there is and that was well said i concur with what you just said you know just do it to add value don't do it for the like dog and pony show part of it where it's like we're on trend we're doing all this web3 now we're worth more you know one of the things you know our supporters badge you know would i like it if like if you bought a supporters badge it was actually an nft and we minted it for you and then you could keep that or you could sell that or trade that that would be great. I mean, there's obviously a ton of work involved with that. One of the things that I think a lot of companies are wrestling with is that, you know, Web3 is in- inherently decentralized, right? Businesses are not decentralized. They are centralized and you want to keep it centralized because that's how you control things and that's ultimately how you're going to make money. But if you put it on the blockchain and it's decentralized, you don't control it anymore and that could be a bad thing. Could be a good thing, but could be a bad thing too. And there's risk involved with that. And obviously companies are about mitigating risk. So 
I do think there's a couple of things we're looking at that could be really interesting and add a, a lot of value to artists. You know, being able to scan an NFT to get into a community, right? If you buy a supporter's badge, you are now eligible to be messaged by that artist. So like Wiz Khalifa did a, did a, did a supporters campaign. People supported him and he gave them, you know, I forgot the amount, I think 25% or 20% off of merch. So he sent them a message. Thanks for being a supporter. You know, I'm really grateful. And, you know, by, I just came out with a new capsule and you get 20% off. So, you know, stuff like that, you know, can you then take your NFT or, or somehow prove that you have that as opposed to putting in a code, you show them that or scan that or, or do something. There's a lot of potential for sure. Yeah, I think so. If we're just thinking about separating the noise from the opportunity, I think there's still a lot of room to grow with that for sure. But I think we'll get there. I mean, like I've used as an analogy before, I think we're very much still in this like pets.com era of things. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but that means that there is some grift, there's some good. And I still think we're kind of in this period where the real champions of this era are still, you know, may still yet to emerge. Some of them may have already started, but we'll see. It's an exciting time for sure. But we're getting to the tail end. And before we let you go, I know you shared a few things that you already have in store and a few things that you have coming up. But is there anything else coming up soon for Audio Mac that you want to plug or let the Trapple audience know about? I mentioned how we're going to one of our goals is and focuses is to bring Afrobeats to America. And we've done this to some degree. and We want to keep doing it. You know, all of us here are just such big fans of that type of music and that wave, you know, whether it be Burner Boy. David, Joe Boy, Fireboy, Tiwa Savage, Yemi Alladay. There's just so many great artists. And also from South Africa, we're really big fans of Ama Piano and sort of the South African dance music scene. So we want to bring that type of dance music to, to, to the U.S. and be at the forefront of that. So there could be a tour coming up with a few artists that are going to be coming maybe to a city near you, or maybe if you buy a supporter's badge for this artist, you'll get certain types of access. Maybe you get to meet the artist. So we're trying to take what is cool about supporters and about Audio Mac and the app and then turn that into real life things, into real experiences that are can turn into just unforgettable memories for that fan and of create revenue opportunities for that artist. So stay tuned. That's awesome. Good stuff. I'm excited for you guys. This will be good. We'll definitely keep in touch with and stay in lock with what Audio Mac is doing. But Dave, thanks for coming on. This has been a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Dan. And it's, I love what you're doing. I'm the one who puts the podcast in our trending section on Audio Mac and helps you get more fans like that. So please keep uploading, keep helping people learn about the music business and the music industry. And I'm thrilled to be on and can't wait to see how my voice sounds when I listen to it later. <laughs> no, you'll be good. You'll be okay. good. No, I appreciate that. No, right. thanks, Dave. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and share it with a friend. Copy the link, text it to a friend, post it in your group chat, post it in your Slack groups, wherever you and your people talk, spread the word. That's how Trapolo continues to grow and continues to reach the right people. And while you're at it, if you use Apple Podcasts, go ahead, rate the podcast, give it a high rating and leave a review. Tell people why you like the podcast. That helps more people discover the show. Thank you in advance. Talk to you next week.